Hey there, Foundry Church. Many of you know this about me, but I'm a history buff. I love, I'm not a buff, I'm a nut. I love it. I love history podcasts, stories, different things. I love reading on history, watching on history. It's just wonderful to me. I love finding stories that kind of work their way up through the sands of time only to surface and be found and be retold in new ways. One such story is about uh, wartime wedding cakes. Uh, It's about a lady named Agnes Thompson. She was a baker in a Scottish town. And she worked at a hotel. She was a very good baker and, um, and sought after for her skills at this. And when the war, World War II, broke out, a lot of young men and a lot of young women rushed to the altar, right? They wanted to get married. And since Britain, being an island nation, was under, um, you know, pretty severe limitations, they had ration cards. So you could only have a certain amount of butter and sugar and eggs and different things uh, that you needed to bake, well, for any kind of food. For a long time, this went on in Britain. So as these young men and young women went to the altar, she wanted to make sure they had a wedding cake. So she began donating her skills and her services to bake wedding cakes for these young soldiers getting married and going off to war. And um, what she would do is she would ask people attending the wedding wedding to bring um, uh, a donation of eggs or milk or some flour or some butter so that she could make the cake. And she would make the cakes and then give them to the wedding, uh, the couple. And they would have this wonderful celebration before the, inevitably the young men would be sent off to war, and many of which didn't come home. But she used the ordinary grind, the ordinary everyday skills of her life to bless and invest in the lives of young couples on their wedding day. She in making these wartime wedding cakes, gave us a good example of a heavenly perspective of the daily grind. A heavenly perspective of the daily grind. A perspective that um, I believe the Apostle Paul gives us uh, when we look at Colossians chapter 3, especially in verses 2 and 3 and verse 17, we find ourselves seeing and recognizing a heavenly perspective on the daily grind, which I want to lean into and talk about today because as we talk about our children for the last uh, day today, I think it's important that we recognize that most of child rearing is not these mountaintop moments of Disney World and these different things. A lot of it is laundry and meals and messes and um, dinner tables and time just being together in the non-glamorous moments. So how do we have a heavenly perspective on the daily grind? We're going to let Colossians chapter 3 speak into that, as well as a number of Proverbs that speak into it. But in Colossians chapter 3, again, verses 2 and 3 and 17, we'll really highlight those out today and talk about them. Here we go, Colossians chapter 3. Join me as I read out or read and, you know, go from memory on some of this. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, so that when Christ, who is your very life, appears, you will appear with him also in glory. Put to death everything that is attached to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, And greed, which is idolatry. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, you must also rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And don't lie to each other. 
since you have taken off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image and the knowledge of its creator. Here there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, Scythian, barbarian, slave or free. Here Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and above all these things, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since since you are members of one body, and you are called to peace. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish with the psalms and the hymns and singing spiritual songs of the Spirit, with singing it to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands and hu- as this is good and fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't speak harshly to them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, bond servants is a better term. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters in everything and not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but do everything and do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Working as though you work for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, and anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongdoing, and there will be no favoritism. So Colossians 3, or verse 2 and 3, it says this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So what does that mean? Let me ask you this, have you ever had a wake-up call not, not like a wake-up call in a hotel room, but like a wake-up call where something happened and it changed everything in your life. Maybe a close call. Maybe you had something happened and you realized in that moment everything could have changed and it was a wake-up call. It shook you out of like maybe a daze or a stupor or maybe a rut of life and it brought you kind of this new perspective, a moment when you realize in life what matters and you realize that maybe you were just kind of getting by. Have you ever had a wake-up call? And how long did it last? How long did that wake-up call last in your life? I know I've had wake-up calls where I'm like, whoa. You know, you, you, you have like you're just driving somewhere, and then like a deer runs in front of you, and you're like, whoa. Oh, my goodness, right? You, you just have a wake-up call. It, it snaps you out of some kind of daze. Paul is trying to get you and I to get our head in the game of life, to see the divine opportunities in the ordinary moments we live. Paul is working with us to see what matters from a heavenly perspective, maybe not what matters based on these earthly and trivial distractions. Paul is saying that old nature died, that old you died, for you died, and your new life is hidden 
with Christ in God. Paul's saying, look up. One of the things that matters, one of the things we need our head on, one of our last chances to say this in this series is this, our children matter. The well-being, the safety, the salvation of God's created image-bearing children matters. It's a heavenly thing. So set your mind on things above, on heavenly things. Set your mind on heavenly things to bless and protect your children. Set your mind in there to bless and protect them. Um, King Solomon, in his book, Proverbs, that he wrote the majority of, he really gives us some good instruction in this. He allows us a glimpse to see what matters, some of the heavenly things. And remember, these Proverbs aren't life hacks or like magic spells. They are um, kind of a rule, or not a rule even, but um, a guiding principle a guiding principle of how things can interact and work to bless people or bless your life or to just be a principle that generally pays um, your life in a gracious way. I don't know how to say it other than it's a principle like following the speed limit. It doesn't mean you're never going to get in a wreck. It just means that by following the rules of the road, you're less likely to be involved in something like that. It's a guiding principle. So when we look at this, when we look at the book of Proverbs, we should listen and wonder how can we set our mind on things above to bless and protect our children? What would Solomon say about that in the book of Proverbs? And in chapter 14, 26 of that book, it says this, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and your life becomes a refuge. It becomes a place where you can hide and take shelter. I know this um, in my own life. As a little boy, I remember um, we had this big public pool in, in downtown Grand Junction called Lincoln Park Public Pool. And we would go there a lot. And one time I was going from the pool and I was going to walk over just to North Avenue where my dad was working. And um, I was headed over there. And I don't know about you, but I was, I was pretty distractible as a kid. I wasn't really paying attention. I ended up going down this one street. And it was just a wrong turn. But, you know, as a little kid, I was kind of like, oh, I wasn't real little. I think I was 10 or 12. Um, but it was just a few blocks walk over to where my dad worked. And I found myself a little disoriented. And then a car drove by. And there were these guys in it. And they looked at me. And I was like, oh, you know, those look like bad guys. And, um, and then they drove by again. The third time they came by, I was in complete despair and panic. And I took off running. I'll never forget, I had my Empire Strikes Back beach towel with me. And I was wearing flip-flops, my swimsuit. I had a bro tank on. It was awesome. And I took off running. And I didn't run towards my dad's work because it was a little further away. I ran towards the house of Barb and Norv Hinkle. It was a couple that was part of our church. And I knew that they always left their home unlocked. And they had like a ton of extra food. If anybody ever needed help, they could go to Barb and Norville's. It was a refuge. I ran to their house. I knocked on the door. I was weeping, and the car drove by one more time, and I was scared, so I remember I just opened the door because I knew it would be unlocked. I stepped inside. They weren't home. I looked out the window for a minute. The car didn't drive by again, and so slowly I opened the door, and I bolted, and I ran like lightning to my dad's work, but I had a refuge. 
a place of safety, a physical, spiritual, emotional place, a place of refuge. Are you a place of refuge for your children? Do you provide them a safe place? I remember my dad used to say, you know, when we close the door, the world stays outside and we protect the kind of the, the family we have. He didn't use the word culture, but that's what it is. When I tell you as parents to, um, to take these from your children at night and don't send them to their bedrooms with their phones or any devices, I'm not saying they'll like you for it. I'm not saying they'll agree with you. I'm saying that by doing that, you provide them a safe haven, a refuge of a place where they can go where the world can't get in. Where the world can't get in. You are to provide them a spiritual, physical, and emotional place of refuge. And that is a parent's duty. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says this, The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. So what is a blameless life? Well, let's jump back into Colossians 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. A blameless life is an understanding that you're you're not functioning out of your righteousness. You are not a Christian because of how dope and good you are at life. No, you're a Christian because you died to yourself, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You don't, you're not the point. A blameless life recognizes the lordship of Jesus by his single act of salvation in your life, earning for you what you could never earn, confessing and giving him your sin and saying, God, I can't do it. I can't be righteous on my own and receiving forgiveness in the righteousness of Christ. That's a blameless life. I would say this, a blameless life is not a sinless life. A blameless life is a life that recognizes the lordship of Jesus Christ and obeys him in it. It is boundlessly faithful to his desires. A blameless life is unchained, unbound in its obedience to God. You're not going to worry about the world. You're not going to worry about what the world thinks on things. You're going to be obedient to God. Why? Because your life is hidden With Christ in God, you recognize that to be blameless, you must be in Christ. And Christ is righteous and holy and blameless. So when we're hidden with Christ in God, we're blameless. That's the first thing. That is what blameless life looks like. It's in Christ. And it's it's not fearlessly obedient. It's courageously obedient. You're going to be afraid a lot. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to obey. The second thing is this. How does it bless a child? Man, this is going to be, I think this is important. When we obey our Heavenly Father, His, what feel like to us, His whims and desires, when we obey them, what ends up happening is we take ourselves out of the center of our own life and we put Jesus in our actions at the center. And when we do that, our children get the message that they are not the center. They are not the point. It's not all about you. You're not the bright center of the universe. 
And until the age of six, children actually think they're the center of the universe. And I would think with social media and different things now, we are seeing a much higher age of people who think they're the center of the universe. But when we live this blameless life, hidden with Christ in God, courageously obedient and boundlessly faithful to his desires, we are showing our children that we're not the center, that Jesus is center. Jesus is the thing over which, around which everything orbits. We are teaching them with our actions what is at the center. We are teaching them what a blameless life is and how it blesses them. It tells them it's not about you. And kids need to hear that. It gives them boundaries. It gives them perspective. And it makes them far less indulgent. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here is one of those times where we wonder if the Bible might be contradicting itself. Because a minute ago we're like, hey, have your mind on heavenly things. But it says, but in the work you do in this life, you need to like, you need to, you know, like do all your work giving thanks to God through him, but you need to do it all, word and deed, in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to be working at it in that way. And so what I think this is saying is now now we need to look at asking this question. So what are the things that is part of our everyday ordinary life that God wants to use? Is it cleaning the kitchen? Is it folding laundry? Driving kids to school? Being at their ball games? Maybe is it um, punching in at work and doing your job? and doing it well? Is it mowing the lawn? Yes, 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 and yes. It's all those things. It's the everyday ordinary things. When our perspective is altered, our ordinary jobs take on a heavenly tone. And when we miss that church, we miss the beauty of the gospel because it's our ordinary lives that get attached to the eternal. And the eternal leaks into, it actually floods into the ordinary. And the ordinary takes on such significance Remember the story of Agnes Thompson, just a baker. She made baked goods, and while I love me some baked goods, she was not the big, it wasn't the big deal. But why is that wedding suite named after, or the honeymoon suite named after her 70 plus years later? Because her everyday, ordinary life became about something more. She honored the covenant of marriage in personal but ordinary ways. She used her gifts and her talents, and it became extraordinary when her perspective changed. She was baking wedding cakes to bless these young couples, but also to remind her friends and neighbors of the sweetness of relationships and the holiness of marriage. What a wonderful gift. So working with diligence and integrity will bless and provide for your children. Have you ever thought about that? Working with diligence, like really working at it. But also working with integrity. Don't lie. 
Don't deceive. Don't shade the corners. Working with diligence, working hard, and having character. It matters, and it will bless and provide for your children. When you apply this attitude to your life, it will bless everyone around you. You will earn a living, and yes, you will provide for their physical needs and things like that. That's just an out there thing. You work hard, and you can provide for your family. That's great. And in your generosity can provide for the needs of others. You guys don't know how many times people pull up to this little pantry outside our church, the micro pantry, and they're getting stuff out of there all the time. I'm telling you, you're buying those groceries. You're the ones being generous. And your hard work and diligence is providing for the needs of people in our community. They know this place is a refuge because you work hard and you're diligent. You provide stability. You provide a life. But here's the thing. It's not just an existence. It's a life that has room. It has room for laughter, relaxing, to grow and to discipline yourself in something, and relationships. It has life. I think of those things. That those things add flavor to life, and they add so much to it. The laughter, the relaxation, the growth, the relationships, that adds to life. The, those friends and neighbors in the story of Agnes Thompson who brought their ration cards, and they went without butter or sugar or wheat flour or eggs for a while so these young couples could have a wedding cake. When, when they do that... When they gave of their own rations, they blessed them, and they encouraged them, and they provided for them what for many of these couples was a single night or two of married wonder and bliss before the husband went off to combat, of joyful celebration that kept hearts and spirits in that community alive with hope. We have to understand that working with diligence and integrity matters. Proverbs 27, 23 to 27 says it this way. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds for riches do not endure forever and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and the new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goats' milk to feed your family and nourish your female servants. When we look at that, what we see is we need to pay attention and make wise decisions. What we're talking about here is using the ordinary things as a wise investment into the life of our children. Do this in everyday things for a heavenly reason. Do the laundry and the ordinary things for a heavenly reason. You don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what calamity or blessings are going to befall us. Here's the thing. Since we don't know what tomorrow brings, we cling to the one who knows what tomorrow holds. We cling to God. So we live for him and not for the moment. The moment comes and goes. The satisfaction of sin is fleeting. But I'll tell you this, knowing God and trusting in him secures all your tomorrows and provides for today. Proverbs 21.20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Fools gulp theirs down. I can't help but thinking of the hot dog eating contest where those guys and some of these ladies will eat like 70 hot dogs 
in like 10 minutes. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, I like me a hot dog, but come on, right? It's kind of janky. It seems a little gross. But here's the thing. When, when we read this scripture, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but full, fools gulp them down. It actually kind of makes me think, um, so here's the thing. One of my children, I think they hate money because the minute you put like a $10 bill in their hand, all they want to do is spend it. I don't care if it's at a roadside flea market, if it's at Target, if it's a gas station, it doesn't matter. They get rid of it like it's giving them a rash. And I'm like, man, what? just slow down. You don't have to spend it. They want to go spend it. But then if we let them spend it, when something they want comes along, they're very distressed that they can't have it. Why? Because they, they just wasted it. In, in the words of this uh, proverb, they gulp it down and they don't even taste it. They don't even use it. This proverb tells us to be careful with what we have. Be careful and intentional with it. Whether it's time, money, relationships, or resources, be careful with it. It can be used for a heavenly purpose or it can be squandered. If someone gulps down food, it's, oh man, I'm a foodie. Everybody knows this. I love food. I love like different cuisines and stuff. There's nothing more frustrating to me than being at a really nice restaurant and watching someone mindlessly eat a great meal and really not even pay attention to it, right? Like you go to like Ruth's Chris or the Chop House or something like that, and you see somebody not even enjoy like a $70 steak. You're like, man, give me that thing. Let me show you how that means to be enjoyed, right? Like you see that going on and it's just terrible. They don't get the textures. They don't taste the nuance. They don't see the flavor put in and the layering. They miss something in it. They don't appreciate them. And they're left with an empty plate with little memory of what was once on it. I love that line. They've got an empty plate and very little memory of what was once on it. And that is sad. But I think that applies to you and I. Sometimes that can happen. When we rush through our children's lives and our only goal is to raise functioning adults, what we'll do is we'll end up with an adult and little memory of what once was ours to treasure and train up. If we slow down just a little we might enjoy it some more. When we waste money in the moment, when we treat um, work as a burden and we just need to get through today to get to the weekend, when we gulp life down, we forget to enjoy it and we miss the point. The point is that in these everyday ordinary things, heaven comes down and we can teach our children and invest in our future. By showing our kids that in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the moments at the dinner table, that's what we remember. It's not the perfection of what's out there. It's the moments we share with the people we love, with our children. It's used to invest in the future of the heavenly resources, using everyday ordinary gifts for God's brilliant purposes. So what we need to do is realize what really matters. So I want you to think about something. Think about this with me. If our provision reflects our priorities, what did you provide for your children in this past week? What have you provided to children in your life over this past week? What's the provision? If you wonder what your priorities are in this, and you're like, oh, 
I wonder what I've provided. Think of it this way. Have your kids, have you made sure your kids have Nike and Under Armour and all the brands they want, but they never, you never ensure that they're in front of the word of God? You, you, you see what you provided them? An earthly thing that will end up in a landfill against an eternal thing that you kind of like, well, they'll get to it. There wasn't time for that today. What is the provision you made? Have you made sure that you've talked to them about their school and grades and college and investing in them being this thing you want them to be without desiring or investing in their spiritual maturity? Confronting things. Have you provided them plenty of goals for academia but no real goals for discipleship and following Jesus closely? Have you invested in ensuring that you have a really nice home, a really clean home, a place that that looks the part but your kids don't want to be there because you're a grump, maybe a tyrant, maybe you have no time for them, it's not a refuge because you're never available? Have you made your house look the part without actually living in it? Is your provision been a physical place with no emotional attachment where you can speak the life of Christ into them? Be careful what you're providing. Yes, these things are good. I think it's great that we can provide our kids nice clothes, great college opportunities, awesome athletic and and musical and different opportunities. I think it's great, but it's not the point. We need to provide moments for our children to reflect on where they're at spiritually, what they know about Jesus, that they know he loves them. We need to provide that which cannot be stolen from them or replaced. We have this moment in time in their life. What is the provision you will bring into your children's lives in the week to come? Only you can answer it, and you'll do it in the everyday, ordinary moments God gives you. Make the most of them. Heaven comes down in the ordinary pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church and the opportunity we have to be the body of Christ, gathered and now sent into our everyday ordinary lives among laundry baskets, dirty dishes, and crazy schedules. We get sent back in to bring heaven near in the way we decide to provide for our children, for our families, for those we love. So Lord, help us provide moments where the Word of God echoes loudly in our homes, where there is transformation in our lives so that our kids see us maturing into all, into the fullness of Christ-likeness, where our kids see us serving and caring and loving people more than we love our own comfort and pleasure. God, I pray that you would dislocate us from the comfort of the moment. It'll hurt for a moment, God, but I pray that we'd be dislocated from our own appetites, and that we would desire a new discipline, and that we would boundlessly and courageously obey your desires, and that the kingdom of God would come near in the ordinary lives we lead. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the most ordinary thing you do? Think about it. Think about it. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? We have a rhythm in our house um, where we do a couple jobs right away in the morning, just get our day going, right? It's the most ordinary part of my day. And I find myself wanting to move ahead with it, just get through it. And um, so knowing I had to teach this, I, I slowed down today. I prayed for my kids and my wife as I did my ordinary job at our house before we left for work. 
to come to a job where, you know, it's like, you know, I'm employed to be a good Christian. But in all honesty, that's the place in the ordinary things where heaven comes near. I'm not saying it doesn't come near in this wonderful opportunity I have to be a pastor, but I'll be honest, just like you, my ordinary moments are my best moments with my wife, my children, the community around me. What are you going to do with that ordinary thing? What's your most ordinary moment? For Agnes Thompson, it was baking cakes and cookies and pastries to probably feed and care for her family, something she loved, and she did it well until it became a moment of like divine inspiration where she could bless and care for and pull a community together. When the world was falling apart around them, this little community in Scotland bound itself together and made sure its young married couples were loved, celebrated, and sent off correctly. How wonderful when God gets involved in the ordinary. Don't resent the grind. Don't resent the grind. Invite God into it and see what he does with it. Friends, as you go from this place into the ordinary, into the things you do, the grind that's ahead of you, in that grind, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Friends, grace and peace to you as you get back to the grind, hopefully with God drawing near. Have a great week.